morning, church. I hope that when you got up this morning and were making that decision to come this morning or not, that you noticed the beauty of God's creation. Wasn't that a beautiful snow? Incredible snow this morning. A reminder of this incredible Creator God that we have the privilege of knowing that came to us and said, I want to reveal myself to you. And of course, we celebrate the greatest revelation of all in the birth of Jesus, the Son of God. So what an incredible privilege we have to worship today. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Chad, for leading us this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, there are so many critical moments in our lives when we reach those fear-not moments. And we are called to make a decision. We are called to, to step out in faith. We are called to either shrink back and wonder what if, or we are invited to move forward and to live in and discover the incredible will and purposes and plans you have for our life. Lord, open our eyes to this truth today in the story of Mary. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I notice we have some of our teen. Where's our teenagers at? I see the, some teenagers up in the top there in the balcony. We've got Angela here. We've got one old teenager over here. He would embarrass, he'd be embarrassed if I would point him out, but he still is a teenager. Um, love you, buddy. For some of us, like me, it's been a long time since we were teenagers. But I'm reminded in the story of Mary how important those teenage years are. We, we think Mary was a young woman, a teenager. Teenagers, those years that you're growing up and still learning are so vital. You make so many important decisions that will shape and form the rest of your life. I know you feel like your parents are on you and maybe nagging you all the time, but it's because we remember and we realize just the, the simple decisions, it seems like, right then are decisions that will shape and form your life for the rest of your life. And Mary is an example of that. Joseph, we think, was a little older. Of course, we know Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were older. So as we look at this Mary's Fear Not story, let us be reminded that she was a young, innocent woman, teenager, that was encountered by God in a way that changed her life and changed our lives forever. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 1. Chad is, has taken us through this passage already, but I want us to, to read. I hope you brought your Bible with you this morning, or yeah, I know you have your phone with you, so this is a good time where you can get on your Bible app. And I want us to look specifically at this powerful and beautiful story of Mary it begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It's a transition from the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And so we begin now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Again, the sixth month, that's not June, at least for us, the sixth month is June. This is, again, tying that transition back to Elizabeth's story. It's in the sixth month 
of Elizabeth's pregnancy that Gabriel, Gabriel the angel, who's already gone and spoken to Zacharias, Gabriel comes to speak to Mary. Now, I would suggest, as far as the timeline goes, the chronology, that, that it's not quite before uh, Gabriel has gone to speak to Joseph, that that will come later. And so here we have again the angel Gabriel going, being sent by God, God taking the initiative in this story, in Scripture, God taking the initiative in Mary's life to come to her in a city called Nazareth in Galilee. It's interesting that there's no other reference in the Old Testament. There is no reference in the Old Testament to Nazareth. Literally, Nazareth was an unknown little village. It didn't have any significance, any meaning. So you can imagine that a teenage girl in Nazareth would have this sense of, of the world being so huge and massive, and, and yet I'm really not very important. I'm just an insignificant part in this little bitty village called Nazareth. Do you remember when Jesus was collecting and, and calling his disciples to come and follow him? Nathaniel was told that Jesus, this Messiah, we found the Messiah, that Nathaniel was told that Jesus was from Nazareth. You remember what Nathaniel said? Can, oops, I knew I was going to do that. Sorry, Chad. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth, nothing good came out of Nazareth. Yet here we discover Mary. Mary, have you ever felt like you're just kind of in the middle of nowhere, that, that, that your life is insignificant, you're from a little bitty backwater town in, in Oklahoma, or maybe in a great metropolis like Norman, but you just have this sense of, of God, where's God, and can God find me? And here God comes to Mary with an incredible invitation. And we're going to learn about Mary. This angel went to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. First of all, about Joseph. We're introduced here to the earthly father, to Joseph. And it's so important again for us to remember and to realize that Joseph was a descendant of David, a descendant of King David. That'll come to play in a few more verses. But isn't it interesting here that, that Mary is described twice, that Luke wants us to be sure that we understand that Mary is a virgin. In fact, he'll make that reference in another few verses, that Mary is a virgin. Now, the Old Testament word that, that we translate virgin in, in Isaiah, I don't want to say is Im, ambiguous, but, but what it means is it's just as a, a typical word for a young lady. And you would assume a young, righteous lady, a, a young woman who was still sexually pure. But there was, there was some, in the Old Testament, it was open to just being a, a young woman. In the New Testament, both Matthew and Luke want us to understand that Mary was a virgin in all that we understand that to mean. She was sexually pure. And this is reinforced three times here in this story to focus on the miracle, the miracle that's about to take place. And of course, the righteousness, the, the goodness of Mary is being chosen for this miracle. And coming in, he, Gabriel, said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, there, this is an English reference, so it's not really in the, in the original language, 
But, but if you would follow me for just a minute, let me diverge for a second. Favored one in the Hebrew, and it's not the Hebrew exactly, but the, word, the name Hannah is translated favored one. God is with you, Emmanuel. And for me, it was just profound. Greetings, Hannah. Greetings, favored one. Emmanuel, God is with you. A foreshadowing, in English anyway, a foreshadowing of what is about to take place. Mary, greetings. You are favored. Remember the story of Hannah, how she prayed to God to give her a son. You are favored, Mary. God is with you. What does it mean to be favored? What does it mean to experience the grace of God? Isn't it pure and simple, the truth that God is with you? Mary, you are favored. You are graced. You are blessed. Because God is with you. And Mary's experience of God is unique from any other human beings. And what I would suggest is the first of a new kind of experience that all who come after her, all who believe in her, can experience as well. And coming in, he said, her greetings favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed, troubled. She was thinking about, what, what does this statement mean? And she kept pondering what kind of salutation, what kind of greeting this is. Oh, I love this about Mary. She didn't understand everything. She certainly didn't understand everything that was about to happen to her. She was perplexed by it. She was troubled. She wanted to, to wrestle with it and understand it in her mind. Do you remember after the shepherds came, after she gave birth? And the scripture says that as the shepherds returned to their fields, that Mary treasured and pondered. See, this is the kind of young woman that Mary was. She wanted to understand and to know what God was doing in her life and, and around her. And even though she couldn't fully grasp it and understand and comprehend it, she was always one that chose to consider and ponder and think upon what God was doing. Remember when Joseph and Mary took Jesus to the temple? He was 12. And they got halfway home and they couldn't find Joseph in the caravan that they had. And, and they went back and they picked up Joseph and they got him home. And the scripture says there that after they returned to Nazareth, that Mary treasured all these things. Oh, that we would be like Mary. And we would take the opportunity to ponder and treasure the things that God is doing and the things that God wants to do in our lives. Verse 30, the angel said to her again, Fear not, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Isn't that interesting that the angel would say, Don't be afraid, Mary, because you found favor with God. But isn't that true? One of the most frightful places to be might be in the presence and grace of God. 
as we understand and realize who God is, His holiness, His majesty, His love, His grace. And oh, isn't that beautiful that here the Lord is with you. The angels already said, but, but Mary, you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to be fearful that you are in the presence of God. Now, now if you remember the Old Testament prophets, God's judgment, God's wrath, God's vengeance, there, there was a reason to be fearful of God. But, but not Mary. Not Mary. Mary. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Because you have found favor. You are in the grace, the blessing of God. I love that truth. I love that passage. But it, a reminder as well that God's favor, God's blessing is something that we must receive. But God's favor and blessing is also a call for us to respond in faith and obedience. Whenever we experience God's grace, it's just not for our own benefit. Whenever God comes to us and we experience His grace, it's always an opportunity, an invitation for us to accept His call, to accept His invitation to be part of His purposes and plans in our life and in our world. But we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear in those moments when God calls us, when God bestows His mercy and grace upon us. Why? Because the Lord is with us and He promises to go with us. So we do not need to fear. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Interesting, that's the same message that Gabriel took to Joseph. Joseph, Mary will bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. Verse 32, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That, that goes back up to verse 27, which we're reminded that Joseph is a descendant of David. And why is that important? Because Mary, your son, is going to be the Messiah, He's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will reign forever his kingdom will have no end your son will be the king of kings the kingdom of god kingdom of eternity in verse 34 mary said to the angel how can this be how can this be for i am a virgin isn't that a fascinating question it seems like the obvious answer was well mary you're engaged to Joseph. <laughs> You're going to get married. You're going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus. I mean, it seems to me that that's the simple answer, the simple response. But I'm fascinated that this young woman, this teenage woman, who treasured, who pondered, 
who thought through things, discerned in that moment that something different, something unique, something apart from her plan and, and her purpose and her direction, something miraculous was taking place here. I think Mary intuited that, and that's why she asked this question, well, how can this be? Because she understood that it wasn't going to be a matter of, of you and Joseph finishing out your betrothal and getting married and having a son one day. But no, something different, something miraculous is about to happen. Have you ever sensed that God was up to something totally new in your life? You may have known what it was, but you didn't know how God was going to do it. And I think that's where Mary was. Okay, God, you're going you're to do this incredible thing in my life, and I'm thinking and pondering and plexing, and I'm troubled about how this is going to be done. Mary didn't know how. She didn't understand. But I think as we see her here in her life, all she knew was that she wanted to be part of God's plan. She made herself available. Have you been there, God? I don't know what you're up to, but I have this sense that something's about to happen, and I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. God, show me how, because I want to be a part of it. I'm all in, God. Show me, reveal to me what I need to know, what I need to understand. Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who has, was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Okay, angel, how's this going to happen? angel says that God, the Spirit of God, is going to overshadow you. Now remember the culture in which Mary lived in. The Greek and Roman culture. The Greek and Roman gods. Where the Greek and Roman gods would often have offspring with human women. But the angel here is clear to help Mary understand that's not what we're talking about. That God is going to overshadow you and God is going to speak into your life. God is going to speak into your womb. A creative word in which your son will be conceived and begin to grow and nurture and mature within we're going to come back to this word overshadow in just a minute. You see, Mary's pregnancy was going to be a miraculous, creative work of the Spirit of God that would be spoken into her life. Remember the story in Genesis 2 where man, Adam, was found to be alone and, and God looked down upon that and God saw that it was not good and God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And the reference says it caused a deep sleep to fall over him. And God took a rib and he fashioned a woman out of it. In other words, 
God overshadowed Adam in that moment and Eve was created. 2,000 years later, at the perfect moment in history, excuse me, thousands, I didn't want to be too specific, thousands of years later, at the perfect moment in history, when the world needed a Savior, God overshadowed Mary and spoke His creative Word into her life. And a son would be born. Again, the angel sharing this miracle going on inside of Mary. And we don't know if Mary understood or knew that Elizabeth was pregnant or not. But here the angel says, and oh Mary, Elizabeth, your relative, is also having a miracle done in her life. And she has conceived. And then verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God the next screen is, is a more literal translation. I wanted you to see this and, and to note this if, if, you ha- if you're not aware of it. Our translation, for nothing will be impossible with God, moves away from this idea of word. The literal translation, I think, is critical for us. For shall not be powerless any word, any word spoken from God. God was going to speak this into your life, Mary, and it will not be powerless. It will come to fruition and so that brings meaning when we begin verse 38 and Mary said behold the bond slave the the servant of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word so you put all that together and the Lord and the angel says for shall not be powerless any word from God and Mary's response was then may it be done to me according to this word Mary understood the power of God's Word in her life and made her life available for that Word. And then I love this, verse 38. It's interesting. In verse 26 and in verse 28, I'm sorry. Mary is greeted with this idea that the Lord is with you. And in verse 38, the angel leaves. <laughs> but guess what? The Lord is still with her, right? Isn't that a beautiful promise, a beautiful hope? That God is with Mary. I want to just bring out three quick truths about this passage for us to consider even deeper today. First of all, what I'm going to call fear not truths. Mary's fear not truths. First and foremost, that you are highly favored. That God is with you. Let me share these words and I want you to hear these words spoken to you today. You may need to hear these words today. You. You. Are highly favored. God is with you. That's the miracle that takes place in Christmas. You see, we too often want to take for granted God's presence in our lives, but we must understand that what took place in Mary's life was the beginning point of something new, something incomprehensible, that God from that moment forward would be with us in a way that God had never been with us before. Jesus is Emmanuel. The birth of Jesus is the greatest gift that we could ever experience. In Jesus, God walked among us. In the birth of Jesus, we're given a Savior who died for us. In the birth of Jesus, we're given a Lord that we can believe in, we can trust, we can follow. 
the grace of God, highly in favored ones, the grace of God is found fully and completely in Jesus Christ who promised to never leave us or forsake us. And because God is with us in Jesus Christ, we no longer have to fear. Oh, we are highly favored because in Jesus Christ, God is with us. The second idea, fear not truth from Mary's story, is this idea of the shadow of God, the overshadowing of God. Of course, simply put, to overshadow means to cast a shadow upon something or someone else. To overshadow indicates that someone or something is of greater significance than that which is overshadowed. When we are overshadowed by God, then we have a recognition and a realization that God is greater than us. But the overshadowing of God is that which, when we're aware of God's overshadowing in our lives, it creates a deep awareness of God's overarching presence, His grace and His power within us. When we are overshadowed by God, our plans and our purposes are eclipsed by God's plans and God's priorities and purposes. Mary had a great plan. She was betrothed to a good man. They were being faithful to their betrothal covenant. But God had a different and greater and even better plan for her and Joseph. His presence overshadowed her plans and her purposes and it's interesting that in the shadow of God, we think of shade and of darkness, but on the contrary, in the shadow of God, we discover new light and profoundly improved vision for life. You see, it's in the shadow of God that the Word of God and the will of God become clearer to us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says it this way, Jesus said to me, Paul, Jesus said to me, here's the promise from Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. This is the result of God's grace, is that in my life, power is perfected in my weaknesses. So listen to Paul's comment or his reflection on that truth. Most gladly, Paul says, I will rather boast of my weaknesses. Maybe you'd allow me to say, my weaknesses, my fears so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. The Weymouth New Testament translates it this way, so that the power of Christ may overshadow me. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The grace and the power of God are experienced in the shadow of God. Our weaknesses and our fears are overshadowed when we're in the presence of God and as Mary discovered, the overshadowing of God is where the Word of God becomes possible in our lives. Oh, that we would learn what it means to live in the shadow of God. Finally, thy will be done, Mary said. Mary is pictured as the model believer for all Christians. Her prayer, may it be done to me according to your heart, to your word, reflects the heart of a servant who willingly submits herself or himself to the will of God. May it be done to me according to your will, to your word. You know, I, I can't help but believe that Mary taught her son that prayer. 
Do you ever think about that? That Mary taught Jesus this same prayer? Isn't it the same prayer that Jesus prayed in Gethsemane? Father, not my will, but thy will be done. I think Jesus learned that prayer from his mom because that was the prayer and the testimony, the attitude of her life. Mary did not fully understand what was about to take place, how it would impact her relationship with Joseph, how it would impact her standing among her family, her community, how it would impact her future. But by faith, she accepted and made herself available for God's work of salvation, not just in her life, but in the world. And our question that we have to answer today is, are you available to God in this same way? Are you willing to be overshadowed by God in such a way that His Word will not only be spoken over you, but that His Word will become a reality in your life? Mary, again, is the prototype, is the picture of the way that God wants to manifest Himself in each of us. Just as God spoke new life into Mary, so does God wish to speak new life into each of us. Jesus says that we must be born again. That God must overshadow us and His creative Word bring new life. Paul says that we must understand that in Christ Jesus we are a new creation. But church, we need to realize that God will not release His grace. He will not release His power in our lives until we respond, may it be done to me according to your word. Have you made this your prayer to the Lord? Have you invited the Spirit of God to birth new life and to speak His plans and His purposes in your life? Is the Spirit of God overshadowing you even in these moments? The third Sunday of Advent is about joy. Fear not truths lead to joy-filled lives. If we were to continue to read on the next few verses, Mary doesn't know what to do, so... The angel told me about Elizabeth. I'm going to go see Elizabeth. She goes to see Elizabeth. And when she arrives, the Spirit of God fills Elizabeth. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps. And can't you just imagine the joy, the excitement these women shared with each other as they both found themselves overshadowed by God's wills and purpose in their life? And as they shared that story with each other, as they live that out together. You see, when we respond, thy will be done, we enter into the experience of joy, deep, deep joy in each of our lives. Have you experienced that joy? If not, then why not today Offer this prayer to God, the Spirit of God saying, may your word be done in my life. Let's pray. Father, joy is the willingness of our lives to receive your grace.
and to receive your word and your purposes in our lives. Today, the shadow of God is in our midst. The shadow of God has come over us, has come over you. Have you experienced that favor, that grace in a way that's brought salvation? You may say, Lord, how can this be? Would you simply receive and trust in Him today? Maybe today, the shadow of God is inviting you to a deeper level of grace and power in your life. Is there a new step of faith, a new step of obedience that God's calling you to take? Something at work, something with your family, maybe to come and be a part of this church. What is God calling you to understand? What is He revealing to you? What is His shadow casting upon you even now? Will you be faithful to receive? Will you be faithful to act? Will you be faithful like Mary to understand and to know that when God's Word is spoken into our lives, that it is the power of God to work, to change, to draw us to Him. Would you be obedient to that call today? Let's stand. Let's sing together. Let's make our commitments to the Lord. Amen.